right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Not Funny Guys Present Why, exploring the philosophy, rhetoric, and cultural impact of the MCU. I am your host, Dr. John, and I'm joined here by one of my best friends, Eric, who knows some, but not a lot about philosophy. I, come on. <laughs> He's getting there, though. We're getting there. I'm trying. I'm trying. Rhetoric? Oh, no, I, I don't think we've touched uh, that yet. <laughs> how about comic book culture? Um, I mean, like I always say, I'm in the movies. There you go, which is why he's here to talk to me. So this pod is an extension of our main podcast, Enough Funny Guys Present Off the Reels, where we explore the films. And here we'll explore a little bit more about the ideas that stick out in some vigorous debate. And we start by asking the question, why? And so for this one, episode seven, we will be looking at Age of Ultron and the dangers of pure utilitarianism. So let's start with some comic book origins. And for this one, a little bit shorter than last time, we're going to focus on four characters. We're going to start with our main villain, Ultron, who was originally created by Roy Thomas and John Basima, uh, first appeared as an unnamed character in the Avengers number 54, 1968. The next issue, he would get a name. Hmm. He was actually created not by Tony Stark in the comic books, but by Hank Pym. And eventually became self-aware and turned his highly intelligent um, brain into a god complex and a deep hatred for his creator and all of humanity in subsequence. Um, his goal became, of course, to destroy humanity. And he has a penchant for never dying because he survives over and over again by transferring his consciousness into different bodies. Uh, at one point, he even transferred his consciousness into a former suit of Iron Man's that had become sentient. Um, and he even at one point, strangely connected to um, what we'll see in the storyline, he did massacre an Eastern European nation, sure. uh, not Sokovia, but rather Selenia uh, in an Avengers storyline. He actually massacred a, an Eastern. So they were borrowing from things. Now, Vision, as in the movie, was created by Ultron. He first appeared in Avengers number 57, created by Roy Thomas and John Basima again in 1968. So not very long after his own creation. He's making another version of himself. Uh, he was intended to be Ultron's son and was set out, set loose to destroy the Avengers, but rather join them. He does eventually fall in love with Wanda, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch. Uh, and he was based on originally his original creation was based on a copy of the original Human Torch from the Golden Age, who was a synthenoid who we saw a small Easter egg of back in Captain America, the first Avenger. And then, of course, we have our two twins. We have Wanda Maximoff and Piedro Maximoff. Now, both were created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. They were twins. They were the children of the mutant villain of the X-Men, Magneto. And they both first appeared in the Uncanny X-Men number four in 1964. Who was their uh, mother? Any, any They idea? don't really ever disclose that one. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have to go dig that one around. Maybe I have to get into that later. But, mm -hmm. yeah, their dad was Magneto. Um, they were basically born in the shadow of Wondercor Mountain, which we'll see in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, of course, Pedro as Quicksilver has super speed, and Wanda's original powers were basically to control probabilities, but they have grown massively different since then. <laughs> Interestingly so. <laughs> enough, both characters would eventually join the Avengers in 1965 alongside ha uh, Hawkeye as all three were reformed criminals under the leadership of Captain America and the second iteration of the Avengers. Hmm. Now, of course, in the MCU, Ultron, Vision, Wanda, and Pietro are kind of all piled into um, I hate Tony Stark, <laughs> except for Vision. <laughs> he doesn't hate Tony. Um, and we have Tony Stark, of course, creating uh, Ultron 
and being sort of responsible for Pietro and Wanda to some degree, uh, but instead of Hank Pym, and of course Ultron and everything is also kind of intersecting here with the Mind Stone rather than other uses. So our premise for discussion here and engaging with this is I want to talk about the other side of the spectrum from deontology, which is utilitarianism. And I think Ultron and Tony, in a weird way, mirror each other in this sense, because they both have a bent towards this. And utilitarianism, to remind ourselves, holds the most ethical choice is the one that will produce the greatest good for the greatest number. Like I said in the last pod, this is the, the good of the many outweighs the good, the needs of the few kind of thing that Spock said there. It is a moral framework that can be used to justify military force or war. Um, it is most commonly approached to moral reasoning used in business because of the way in which it accounts for costs and benefits. However, because we cannot predict the future, it's difficult to know with certainty whether the consequences of our actions will be for good or bad. This is one of the limitations of utilitarianism. And utilitarianism also has a trouble accounting for values such as justice and individual rights, tends to focus more on collective. Uh, for example, assume a hospital has four people whose lives depend upon receiving organ transplants, a heart, lungs, kidney, and a liver. If a healthy person wanders into the hospital, his organs could be harvested to save four lives at the expense of his own life in a utilitarian perspective. You kill one. This is where the famous uh, moral trolley experiment comes up, where you are at the lever of a trolley that's running out of control, and you can have it hit one person or ten people. You always you, take the one. You take Maybe. the one. That's a utilitarian choice. So it is often seen as a very logic-driven, reason-driven determination of right and wrong. And what I want to think about here is that it is important to consider both Tony Stark and Ultron in this film as acting as different versions of utilitarianism. I would say that Tony is very much in a normal utilitarian point of view, whereas Ultron takes such a drastic extreme of it that it becomes something almost unhinged. So I think let's, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts? I mean, think about let's let's start at the beginning. Let's think about when they get their hands on the scepter and Tony starts running experiments and thinks, Oh, we can make Ultron. He's not thinking about, this in terms of is this the right thing to do without consulting other members of the team he's thinking oh this is the way we can all the we can save the world this is what right. scarlet witch knew she was doing when she messed with his head his own demons the demons he's been carrying since new york hmm. you know that the world that the, the, you know, have to build a suit of armor around the world kind of vibe that he gives off right but he's willing to do that without necessarily thinking about that he may have to break some eggs you know he doesn't to consult the team right he only he consults to Bruce. Save the world. yeah and he's not really concerned about how what he has to do to do it and this is where he and thor even clash later to mm -hmm. some degree about this yeah so he's acting from the idea that he believes his consequences the end product of what he's doing will be a maximum good for maximum people mm -hmm. and he's less concerned about being deceitful or being secretive or, you know, not telling anybody or saying, hey, maybe we should consult the team about this. He explicitly excludes them. It almost like he goes back to a version of himself from the first Avengers movie where right. he thinks he doesn't need everybody else. He only trusts Banner to be involved in this. Well, I mean, do you think that's because it comes from a place that they would have tried to stop him? Poss I don't think he wants to have right. the debate. 
I don't think he right. wants to. He wants to skip the moral debate. He wants to skip right past that and not even have it. He wants to forego it because he doesn't want someone trying to talk him out of it or telling him he can't do it. Which to yeah. me, even and kind of gives off an implicit sense that someone would object. You know, oh, yeah. or he yeah. or he knows at least. I think he realizes. I think Thor Captain. and Captain America might yeah. definitely object. I don't know how Hawkeye feels or Black Widow, but I know those two would very much object to it. Yeah, Thor for probably more reasons along the line that I don't like you messing with the the, the scepter that's supposed to go back to Asgard or whatever he was planning to do with it. Right, it you know, he felt a sense of responsibility to you know, and then of course Captain America would probably object more on the grounds that this is not a good idea from the standpoint that they're he's going to probably be less concerned about consequences and more about are we doing dangerous things. And if we think about where we are today in the world with the emergence of AI. I mean, this is a perfect segue. I mean, this is 2015, sure. and here we are eight years later, and there are people working on AI who I think don't even bat an eye about the consequences sometimes or even think about anything other than positive consequences for what they're doing. They no. don't necessarily consider their actions. They consider, oh, this is a net good, right? which then falls into a very strange quandary of how far are you pushing that sense of utilitarianism beyond a, a recognizable point and where it gets dangerous and which is where we go with Ultron in a way. Right. I mean, well, Ultron's obviously a, a, an extreme version, um, but I, I think, you know, it's there, I, man. It's so weird. Cause it's so black and white. I feel like to say either oh, utilitarian or not. No, right? no, no. There, there's, yeah, that's the most part. humans, like I said, most humans, we, we stand yeah. between things, but I think when you give in to a pure, sense of logic and cold calculation you fall more towards a utilitarian angle and which leap in which is, is the ultron you, right yeah ultron is because ultron yeah. has no no ethical moral sense empathy, of right and wrong right? no he has empathy, no empathy. Is really, he, really he firmly kind of believes he takes his mission statement mm -hmm. of peace in our time looks at the world and goes the problem is humans you know yeah. I'm not here to save humans. I need to get rid of you. You're the problem. He takes it to such a logical. He's like Mr. And, you know, it's like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hugo Weaving's character, the agent, Agent Smith. Right. And the Matrix, when he refers, when he has Morpheus captured and he refers to humanity as a virus, mm -hmm. he's executing a very similar mindset. His whole thought process is driven by a computer logic that says, this is the best set of outcomes. Right. I don't care who I run over. This is where I'm at the train trolley and I'm like, oh, it's going to hit 10 people. I'm not going to move the track. Right. That's fine. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's utilitarianism that's gone way past the bounds. You know, we've entered to something that's like no longer has any connection to humanity, no longer even has connection to moral or ethical standards of anything other than pure cold calculation. Right. You know. Which is what Ultron is. He's a manifestation of that pure, cold calculation. Mm -hmm. Most of the emotion he shows is his resentment for his creator. You know, his resentment for Tony Stark is when he cuts off Ulysses Claw's arm. Over yeah. it. He might remind him, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a, that's a Starkism. Oops. I just lost an arm. Thanks. Which man. makes me wonder why he cares so much about Stark when he has one goal anyway. Like why why is Stark a Well, here's the thought. 
something I think there's a very similar notion that goes on inside of um, Tron Legacy. If you've never seen it, it's a sequel to Tron, mm-hmm. and in it there's a creature, there's a dev- there's a, a an I don't know, a simulacrum or some sort of like duplicate that Flynn makes of himself to be inside of his new matrix at all times and he says your job is to make help him make the perfect system Mm -hmm. and eventually when there's an anomaly introduced the this entity interprets it as an imperfection that must be eliminated Mm. and even though he is hell-bent on doing his mission he is also obsessed with replacing his creator i think that's part of what ultron i think it's strangely enough it's also what ultimately undermines ultron is his obsession with his own creator and seeing better than him. You know, he takes the, like the, the child parent relationship and like amps it up, like breaks the dial, you know? Yeah. Into like extreme jealousy. Like, you know, I'm better than you. Therefore I should replace you. And the fact that you still exist is somehow an affront to him. Which is a very human trait for him. Oh, it is compared to compared to everything else. It's his one moment of, I wouldn't call it empathy, but of, of oh, human no, no. emotion. Yeah, you know, but it's it's in. also strangely his Achilles heel. Sure. Oh yeah. Ironically, it's actually yeah, I mean, it's ironically what it actually. It's all of our. Yeah, well, all it, of our, strangely yeah, enough, it's the one thing. And... It's one thing staving off his complete genocidal mission accomplishment. You know, getting in that way, which I think is fascinating because I think when they go to fight him at the end, using Iron Man as a way to kind of draw him out was kind of a way to sort of help uh, deter his. Um, shall we say his his focus somewhat yeah you know because even vision vision notes oh yes he hates you the most Mm -hmm. you know even vision's aware and vision is fortunate i think because one when he is bonded with the mind stone but also the fact that there's more of jarvis inside of him he actually somehow ends up being the flip side or better like shall we say he is definitely utilitarian but he's far more on the normal side of the scale than um than ultron right He's always say less radicalized um, by pure logic. He has a he has an he has a, has an empathy for humanity. You know, well, I think Jarvis was maybe Dan. Well, no, I guess he had that moment in Iron Man three where he flew him to Tennessee. Yeah, no, yeah. So that's utilitarian. Yeah, but I mean, he has a he has far more experience engaging with the humans in their experience because he says something like. You know, I think Ultron, that final sequence with him and, and Vision, he says they're hopelessly flawed. And then Vision makes mm. the point of saying to him, yes, but there is beauty in their failure. He has yeah. this, he has something that Ultron never had, you know, that Ultron never uh, possessed. Uh, Ultron is pure mission. He is every, I think what's fascinating is that if you look at Vision and Ultron, they are the best and worst of Tony Stark. Vision is yeah. the best of Tony Stark. He is the calculating, on mission kind of guy who, but he who cares about humanity. He cares about the consequences, but he is also highly motivated to do the right thing. Whereas Ultron is that dark shadow version of Tony Stark who thinks he knows better than everybody, and it just pushed it to such an extreme of like you know there is no human anymore. And I think right. part of that is why Tony Stark's existence. I think irked Ultron even more is that his very continuing to exist was like a slap in the face to Ultron's existence. It was like a reminder of what I used to be kind of thing. There's a certain irony, excuse me, in the fact that vision is essentially created by Ultron because that 
is arguably why Ultron is created by Stark, right? Is all of these purpose driven, even all back to the Iron Man suits, right? It's this kind of mission purpose driven protection idea, mm-hmm. you know, where he is building these suits in that case to to go protect and, and serve. Um, and so I think you you it's interesting that when we think of the two splits of Tony Stark, it's the dark shady one that continues what we know most of Tony Stark for, which is creation. Think about it like genetics. It's like having a son who hates you and then a grandson who somehow manages to find the way to be more like you than you were, <laughs> than the father was. And then, you know, it almost like has like a strange family dynamic going on there too. Yeah. That yeah. Is interesting. Definitely. No, All right. it was just a yeah. thing for me. No, it's good. It's good. So any other, any other final thoughts? No, not, not really on this one. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for, for Ultron, you know, that yeah. he's, he's mission driven in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't know. All right. Great. All right, folks. Well, that's it for another episode. Uh, what are your thoughts? Tell us, what do you think about these moral ethical questions we've been diving into? Um, next week, we're going to get a little bit more lighthearted. We're going to try and find some lightheartedness in Ant-Man, of course, uh, which we'll be covering on the main podcast off the reels. And then we'll find some stuff to talk about here as well. Mm-hmm. But um, let's, uh, if you want to reach out and tell us your thoughts, feel free to contact us at notfunnyguys.offthereels at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram at not. Uh, underscore funny underscore guys underscore presents and on Twitter at not funny guys pod also coming soon blue sky so everybody stay strange and keep asking questions till next time later